0: All right. I'm actually really excited to talk to you guys tonight. I've been like anticipating this for longer probably than I imagined. Um, I don't usually speak to people, and I think the last time I spoke um, in any setting was when we were doing youth like years ago. Um, So it's been a hot minute. Do what? Yeah, gosh. (laughs) I could say that I was still in my 20s then. (laughs) Dang. I just made some other people feel old though. I'm sorry. When Corey asked me to speak um, months ago, um, I immediately knew what I was going to talk about. But I was scared. I was scared not because. I was nervous to get up here and speak because public speaking can be nerve wracking, especially if you're not Corey and you don't just have a natural gift for it, right? Right, Clay? You get it next week, huh? Uh huh. <laughs> um, but I was scared to be vulnerable. I was scared, not really what people would think about me talking, but more or less hearing myself speak and hear myself say it and be vulnerable um and that was super nerve-wracking to me because i don't think with what i'm talking about tonight i've ever really told this to a group of people um i don't even think whenever i was talking to Corey, um that he even knew the extent of what i have going on in my mind every once in a while um i talked to Lindsay, and she's like oh gosh are you sure you want to say that and I was like, I know I have to because I have to be vulnerable Um, and it's been on my heart and I think this is kind of like that key in the door unlocking it and moving past the past if that makes sense. You'll understand in a second. So with that said, I want to start with a question. Have you ever made a mistake? Obviously, that's a rhetorical question. However, not just a mistake, like a big mistake, a mistake that you feel like follows you every day. And it's in the mundane things. You can, you've moved past it, but it's still like in a bag on your back and you carry it around everywhere. And you can see it in different sights. You can see it or you can smell it in different smells. You can see it in the places that you go. And there's always this backward lingering, I'm there, and I don't have freedom from it. Um, Because that's where I have been for the past five years. Um, And it's been, I'm reluctant to say the word haunting, but it's really been just following me and haunting me. It just seems like I can't get away from it. Um, But for years, I've been asking God for revelation, and I knew that was not something that I was supposed to carry, but more or less I couldn't really find peace. I couldn't find the revelation that I was asking and seeking from God to let this pack off of my back. Um, And I knew I wanted mental freedom. I knew I wanted to let it go. I knew I wanted to just move on because I really feel like it was just like that anchor Around my ankle, and I couldn't, I couldn't, oh my goodness. Excuse me. Um, I couldn't figure out like what I was gonna do in order to get rid of it. Um, But I just kept telling myself, I have to overcome this, but still in my mind, it was crippling me from moving on. Um, And I've had this verse on my heart, and it's kind of like God, like throwing this fishing line out to me and trying to reel me in. Um, and I was just reluctantly wanting to get out of that situation and get out of that mental torment and come into the boat and just sail away from it. Um, so it's probably more or less my fault, um, but I've had this verse in my mind and I heard it years ago. I don't remember where, but it's always kind of stayed with me. Um, it's in the Ephesians. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 17, it says, Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he's given to those he has called. I've never really found true revelation until now, until the past probably three and a half-ish, four months. Um, And I'm super excited to share that with you guys tonight because I think you guys might be in the same boat. Um, Because I remember John this morning, he said, one of the last things, he's like, I feel like someone has a failure that has been lingering over their head. And I just got like this big grin on my heart and I was just like, I can't wait until I can release that tonight because my vulnerability with you guys hopefully brings freedom immensely for one myself and two for you guys too. So um, I'm going to title this message Epic Failures um, and I'm going to release kind of like this little story about me and it's gonna be not super specific cause I could probably tell you every detail and we'd be here all night. Um, But just to protect the environment um, and protect the people involved in that, um, I'll share a little bit, but I'm gonna summarize it. So five years ago, October 2017, um, Hurricane Irma came through and that was our really last big hurricane that kind of we had to bunker down for. Um, So many of you know I work on an ambulance or I did at that time And, um, I was a promoted training officer, which means I had new paramedics that were just coming out of school, put on my ambulance and I trained them, got them cleared with a doctor, made them memorize all the stuff they had to memorize so that they'd be proficient and efficient to take care of people whenever someone dialed 911. Um, So... I held a higher rank within our organization. But in this instance, with a hurricane, we can't take ambulances out because of the winds over 35 miles an hour. Um, And so the sheriff's office for Lake County gave us their SWAT vehicles. Um, We called them bearcats or whatever you want, they're big tanks. Ginormous wheels, all the things that can drive over, all the things that you can't do in a normal ambulance. So they gave us those and we stocked those with equipment. Um, and we were only going to be dispatched what we call echo response calls, which also means just a critical call. So if you don't know that, a lot of people call 911 for really silly things. In this instance, they're going to put those calls on hold and only dispatch us because there's only two people in the entire only two trucks in the entire county that we're going to go to 911 calls, whereas there's normally 25, um, plus a bunch of others um, on the fire apparatus. Um, so we got a critical call. We were dispatched to it and um, and I will admit this is purely 100% my mistake. Um, and it was devastating in the moment and my world just like sank. We, were, we took off to this emergency call and we get there, the family's around us and we're trying to take care of this person and my partner said, Gary, we don't have that piece of equipment that we desperately needed to help this person. And I was like, excuse me? And I was in charge of this rig. I was a promoted officer. I was supposed to be the one in charge, and the one that everyone else was looking to. And that weight immediately fell on me like a ton of bricks. And I didn't know what to do. So I made the quick decision, told my partner to get back in the truck, go to the station, get the stuff, bring it back. And in the meantime, we'll do what we can with what we have. Um, so ultimately the call ended Um, and we get back to the station the hurricane passes that next morning I called my supervisor and he's like I know everything you don't have to tell me anything my heart sank again Um, and I was terrified I didn't know what was going to happen this person's life was in my hands and no one died however it could have ended catastrophically and I carried that and I think up until this point I have carried that for the past five years and gone through a lot of mental torment just with myself and tried to just do it myself, overcome it myself. But I really feel that the Lord was trying to give me revelation for this and I wasn't accepting it. I wasn't being... The professional Christian I was supposed to be in saying yes. You know? Um, so, just to make it even worse, I almost lost my license for it, which means I can't practice as a paramedic on the road or even in a hospital. So, I had no plan B. To make matters even worse, that was October 2017. And two weeks later, we were supposed to move into our home. Four months later, well, five months later, Liam was going to be born. We were still pregnant with him at the time. So, all you dads in the room, (laughs) suddenly I have this overwhelming feeling of, what am I going to do? I have a brand new home, I have a brand new baby coming, and I have no job. I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, obviously, I would have done everything that I possibly know how to do. But I would have... I worked all the way up to this point to get to the point where we can have kids and have a home and all the things and all of that was being taken away. It didn't, thank God. However, I had to go through a lot of training and a lot of different things and again, be vulnerable and put myself down all the way back at the bottom. Um, So I was demoted. I went through all the repercussions that I had to go through because of that situation. And I just really had this overwhelming feeling of a failure. And I feel like I have been carrying that around for the the last five years. And, And I asked God during that time what it was he wanted to teach me through this. And this is not going to be an earth-shattering story, but however, this was fresh manna for me. And I was so excited to share this to you that I took what is a, seems like a mundane story, the um, story of Peter. And, um, and God gave me really fresh revelation. And what I've asked for for the past five years. So I'm super excited to share it with you. So let's flip over to Mark chapter 14:27. If you need to turn it in phones or whatever, I'm going to be reading out of the NLT every verse that I have. Um, so it says, On the way, Jesus told them, All of you will desert me, for the scripture says, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter said to him, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times that you even know me. No, Peter declared empathetically, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the others vowed the same. Jesus was very specific on this. Before the rooster crowed three, twice, he said, you will deny me three times. Why wasn't it just once? Like, why wasn't it? it? Lingered in my head for a while, but as soon as I read this, I immediately felt like I had to do more and I had to read more because I felt like God was revealing that key to me. I can relate because this is what I felt like. I felt like I was a screw-up. I felt like I was a failure. Um, And so in my research, um, I came across a discovery of what's called classical reconditioning. And there's a Russian physiologist, his name is Ivan Pavlov, some of you might know of him, he's pretty well known in history. But he's known for a, a psychology uh, discovery called classical reconditioning. During his studies on the digestion of dogs, seems super weird, right? But he studied dogs. I can just re- imagine this guy living in a kennel, and all he just saw is these dogs all over the place, barking, going nuts, and he studied them. Probably more things than just this, but this specific thing he studied, when they salivated... Um, he, Anytime they went to bring them food The dog salivated And he's like, okay, well I started to notice this I also noticed that We all are wearing like those white doctor's coats So when we're not going to feed them And a person walks by with a white doctor's coat They still Are starting to salivate They still are starting to realize like, Okay, I might get fed So I'm going to anticipate Being fed um, So he wanted to take this a little step further and said, can I make these dogs salivate with just a metronome or a beeper or a, a tone of any kind? Sure enough, over long periods of time, he finally got the dogs to salivate just on a sound. Just And you, I imagine he could have done that with anything. But this got me thinking um, that Pavlov discovered the response of dogs are based on... Repetitive reflexes. He noticed triggers. That noise was a trigger for the dogs to start to salivate. He noticed that he could trigger the dogs to do anything he wanted just with a simple trigger. And I want you to remember that for a few minutes, and I'm going to bring that puzzle piece back. Um, But let's flip over to Mark chapter 14, verse 66. It says, Meanwhile, Peter was in the courtyard below. One of the servant girls who worked for the high priest came by and noticed Peter warming himself by the fire. She looked at him closely and said, you were one of the ones with Jesus of Nazareth. But Peter denied it. I don't know what you're talking about, he said, and he went away into the entryway. Just then a rooster crowed. When the servant girl saw him standing there, she began telling the others, this man is definitely one of them. But Peter denied it again. A little later, some of the other bystanders confronted Peter and said, you must be one of them because you're a Galilean. Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know this man that you're talking about. And immediately the rooster crowed for the second time. And watch this. Jesus' words suddenly flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crowed twice, you will deny me three times that you will even know me. And he broke down and wept. I wonder how many times we have felt that same feeling that Peter felt as soon as he broke down and wept, as soon as those words that Jesus flashed back in his mind and said, As soon as the rooster crows for a second time, you're gonna you're gonna deny me. And I had to step back and think for a minute about what I felt. Like, in my greatest failure, how did I react? I was, like, broken. Like, multiple episodes of weeping, and I could only imagine Peter following this man for years of his life, giving up everything, following him through the trenches, all the stories that the disciples went with Jesus on. He did all of that stuff. He watched the miracles. He did all the things. And he said to Jesus, I will never deny you. I'll die with you before I deny you. But then he denies him. What do you think it looked like when he went and wept? He says, and he broke down and wept. For me, I would imagine Peter running back to his... Place that he lived, or running to a quiet corner, or somewhere where there weren't people, and breaking down on his hands and knees and just bawling his eyes out because he knew what he had just done. Again, he just followed the man for three years, followed Jesus, and watched all of the things. How can I deny the Lord three times? How many times was he reminded of his greatest failure? You know, sensory stimuli can trigger old memories, good, bad, through sights, through smells, through sounds, through places, through certain people. And it might be the most insignificant thing, but the most powerful emotion erupts out of that. You know, like just by me driving past the city where this incident happened for me. I can take you to the exact house. And that was five years ago. The people that I run into contact with, my supervisors who are not my supervisors anymore, have for the past five years, I have been so nervous to even talk to because of shame and guilt. And like, that was my bad. Like, I messed up. That was on me. And so ultimately... um, I was given another opportunity and got out of that situation. And, but it still has followed me everywhere. Um, but all of those things that reminded me of that incident were my rooster. A rooster wasn't just a random sound to Peter. It may be to us. It may have been to everyone else, all the other disciples. But to Peter, that was his trigger. That was the thing that made him remember. That was the thing that brought all of those feelings and that shame and that guilt back and really just followed him and haunted him, I would feel like, just because me relaying that back to my situation. But I I think back in those times, like, we don't really have roosters around. You know, like we we might have one somewhere, Sumter County, I mean, but in those days, like there were probably roosters everywhere. You know what I mean? Like they walked on dirt roads. They, they raised their cattle. They raised all the animals. And I can just imagine, like, this is Gary's, like, Mind going is like this small little town and they have all their livestock and they have all these things and he just wakes up every morning to this choir of roosters. And every morning he has to be reminded again and again and again, and a rooster doesn't just stop after once. <laughs> they keep going and going and to Peter, it's just like, stop. I can't handle it anymore, you know? And that's how the enemy works. He doesn't just creep up on you like a snake. He crows like a rooster, and he doesn't stop. And he wants to do it in the most insignificant ways, but he wants to constantly remind you of everything that you've done wrong and prevent you from accomplishing what God has called you to be. I want to ask you something. What is your rooster? What is something that triggers you to go back and remember something that you might have felt? It might not be a mistake or something that you've done, but maybe just a feeling. Maybe good, bad, and different. What is your rooster? What is the thing that constantly reminds you of that failure, of that disappointment, of that guilt, of whatever? We all have one. And how many times has it shown up? How many times has it reminded you of your greatest failure? Because for me, for the past five years, it seems like it's been everywhere. And the most insignificant things, it'll just trigger, and I'll move on. But it's always been there. But there's good news Just like Ivan, God can recondition our reflexes with his grace and his peace. You know, Paul, all across the New Testament, starts off with a saying, May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Across every single one of his letters in the New Testament, he wants you to understand that God wants to give you grace and peace. He wants us to live and abide under his grace and peace. He took all of that failure and all of that guilt and shame and disappointment and all those things that we walk around sometimes with with this backpack on our back, and he took that to the cross. A few days later, after Peter's denial, Peter goes fishing. John chapter 21, verse 1 through 3. This is a few days after his denial of Jesus. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there, Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the son of Zebedee, and two other disciples. Simon Peter said, I am going fishing. We'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night long. This was a declaration of intent from Peter. I can't handle this anymore. I'm done. I've got to get away. I've got to go fishing. What was he before Jesus called him to be a disciple? He was just a mere fisherman. He was going back to what he used to be. He was going back to the old way of doing things. How many times have we given up on what God has made us to be back to the way that we used to do things? How many times have we thrown in the towel? And this is how we make mistakes, become who we are. We pick that backpack up, we put it back on our back, and we start walking. You know, a funny story, I'll pause there for a second, is Lindsay and I, throughout the day sometimes, we'll, once a day, whether it's by ourselves or together, we'll go for a walk through the neighborhood, and um, she pushes Liam in the stroller. And the other day I have a, you're going to think I'm insane, but I i have a backpack and it has a bunch of sand in it. And I just, no, I'm not going to say obvious because they're going to think I'm nuts. Um, so I put a backpack on and I walk through our neighborhood um, for, for, for 45 minutes. Um, And I just walk At the same pace that Lindsay's walking Or whatever And so I told her (laughs) I told her on the way back I said Hey I want you to put the backpack on When we get to the driveway And she's like No You're crazy I was like No like for real I'll push Liam. Liam normally gets out of the stroll And runs down the driveway And um So uh, But I want you to put the backpack on She's like Whatever So I pick it up Put it on her back And she's like What in the world You are insane in the whole way. This is ridiculous. I cannot believe you do. You are ridiculous the whole time. And that was a choice on my part to pick up that backpack and put it on my back and walk three miles with it. But we do that every day. There's times where we just get out of bed and we, by ourselves, pick up our failures, pick up our grief and our pain and our, our... And we put it on our back and we walk through our day with it on our own. But Jesus, like, what are you doing? You're insane. Take the backpack off. Like, why are you doing that? I went to the cross, I had nine inch nails pierced through my hands and my feet for you. Why are you picking that back up? Let it go. Peter's identity was a fisherman. God God called him to be a fisher of men, but after he lets his mistakes define who he was, he goes back to being who he was, a fisher of fish. In John chapter 21, verse 4 through 6, at dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. Jesus called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw out your nets on the right-hand side of the boat, and you'll get some. So they did, and he couldn't haul in the net because the fish were too many. Do you really think, how wide could this boat be, is that they threw it a few feet on the other side and caught, it says I think like 150 some odd fish. And it wasn't just small fish, it was like fish, fish, like I'm surprised, I want to take a picture and post it on social media, I catch one, they caught like 150 in one cast. Like, they couldn't get it out of the water, into the boat. But just like that, one act of obedience, the disciples put the net on the other side of the boat, caught all these fish, and Jesus flipped the script. Regardless of your mistake, regardless of what you define you as, God's word prevails. God's word prevails. God says, God wants to grant grace and peace in that area of your life that has stolen so much attention. So much attention that you carry around, that you get up every single morning and put that backpack on and walk around with it. And has stolen so much attention that he says, this is ridiculous. Put it down. John... 21 verse 7, then the disciples, then the disciple that Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he jumped into the water and headed to shore. This is a full circle moment. Watch this. After that miraculous catch, Jesus Jesus made the disciples breakfast. John chapter 21 verse 8 and 9 says, the others stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to shore where they were only about a hundred yards away. When they got there, they found a basket, uh, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooked over charcoal fire and some bread. And this is when Jesus flips the script for Peter. He says, do you love me? John 21, 15, 17, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know that I love you, then feed my lambs. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know that I love you, then take care of my sheep. A third time he asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you, Jesus said, then feed my sheep. This was genius. This was full circle for Peter. Do you think that this could have been Jesus' way of reconditioning Peter's mind, just like Ivan Pavlov did to those dogs, whatever way he wanted? Do you think this was the way that Jesus was showing Peter that I can recondition your mind and show you peace, and show you my grace, and give you my mercy? Jesus knew a little bit about reconditioning refluxes way before Ivan. Jesus restored Peter's mind three times. Going back to being specific about how many times you're going to deny me, you're going to deny me three times. He went back and reconnected the dots for Peter He reconnected those dots and said, each time that you denied me, I'm going to recondition that reflex and I'm going to show you that my grace, my mercy, and my peace prevail over your life. And I'll take it even a step further. Did you notice when this recommissioning took place? When did Jesus make them breakfast? At dawn. When do roosters crow? John 21.4 At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach but the, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. Jesus just reconditioned Peter's mind in a way that he would never forget. The sound of that rooster crowing would no longer bring guilt, would no longer bring shame. But that feeling that reminded him is of the man that he loved, whom he followed for the past three years would be healed. Instead of guilt and condemnation, it's a constant reminder of grace and peace. Every morning when that choir sang, when those roosters crowed, it was a reminder of God's grace and peace that he reconditioned in Peter's life. So I'll ask you again. You guys can go back up. What's your rooster? What's that thing in your life like me, that it followed me for five years. It prevented me from, I feel, making decisions that would take me out of my guilt and shame and move my relationship forward with God. But that was now realizing and looking back, there was moments where that was fully my choice to pick that backpack up and put it on my back. But God wants you to to know tonight that with one act of grace, he can restore your past. With one act of grace, God can flip the script. And with one act of grace, he can start a new chapter. It's time that we turn the page on the past, and allow God to help bury what He gives us grace for. So, God, right now we just stand fully open to You. We thank You, Jesus. Thank you for what you did on the cross. And sometimes that whole image, that whole story of you going to the cross can be cliche. But you know, God can give you a fresh revelation of of a story that you've heard a thousand times. So his word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Allow God to give you fresh revelation of whatever your rooster is. And I speak freedom in Jesus name, not just freedom to not hear the rooster, but freedom that that would be reconditioned and to show you that whatever thing reminded you of the past now reminds you of what God does does for you what God did for you and what God will do for you tomorrow.